I had an extra pastrami sandwich. Anyway, we gave this fellow this pastrami sandwich. I told him he'd have to give up his gun in order to uh, get this sandwich. And the fellow gave up his gun. But as soon as he gave up his gun and we were ready to uh, seize him, he indicated he had a second gun. (laughs) So we were back at ground zero. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news story? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one conversation with our reporter. Every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Brought to you by Hackensack Meridian Health. Visit our partner site, NBCNewYork.com slash HealthU, to help you on your health journey. Hackensack Meridian Health. Life years ahead. We often try to get several kinds of perspectives of policing and in particular the NYPD in this city. But for this edition of the Debrief Podcast, we've never had one that is rooted in such history and historical perspective. We're honored to have the three-star chief chaplain of the NYPD, Rabbi Alvin Cass, who has served, and I'm going to check my numbers with the rabbi right now, seven mayors and 17 police commissioners. Is that right? That is correct. All right. 54 years on the job, came on the job in 1966. We're so happy to have you here with us. Well, thank you very much. It's a delight to be with you. There's a lot of ground to cover with you, actually. Not all of it pleasant, but we'll get to it in terms of what's happening in society. But first, I want to start with you, 1966. I've seen you say this in other interviews. You had no notion or thought of being a cop, joining the NYPD, anything like that. Tell me about it. Absolutely. I had been in the Air Force, and I had did a stint as an Air Force uh, chaplain, and I had come to New York. I had a congregation in Queens. I was busy teaching at the Jewish Theological Seminary in addition, and I was quite content with the way my life was going. And I got a call one day from the executive vice president of the New York Board of Rabbis telling me that the Jewish chaplain had passed on, and they asked me to come down and interview. I uh, indicated to him that I knew nothing about policing, I was very busy. I had never been in a police station in my life. I don't even remember playing cops and robbers as a kid. (laughs) Um, But he urged me to come down. He said, I think you're really good for this. I had read an article in Time magazine about uh, the newly elected mayor, John Lindsay, having appointed a crackerjack police commissioner from Philadelphia by the name of Howard Leary. And I figured to myself, this might be an interesting experience. So I'll go down and uh, I'll meet some interesting people. I'm always uh, open to a new uh, opportunity to to see somebody and make acquaintances with uh, individuals that I hadn't known before. But I didn't want to waste the day. Right. Uh, So I made arrangements with a friend of mine to play a game of handball at the Grand Central Y after this uh, interview was over. I uh, brought my bag with me, and uh, I discovered when I entered the uh, headquarters building, which was then at 240 Center Street, that there were about 30 or 40 other rabbis that had been invited. Some competition, as it were. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, I figured this is uh, not going to work out too well. (laughs) So you're glad you arranged to have the handball games. Exactly. So we had a nice interview, a very pleasant interview, but I figured that you had to have connections to get a job like this. I knew nobody. I had been out of the city for a few years in the Air Force. So 
anyway, uh, at the end, I shook hands with everybody and figured I'd never see them again. And then one of the members of the committee by the name of Al Seedman, he was the chief of detectives at the time, uh, and uh, he was the embodiment of the stereotype of the uh, a chief of detectives, of a cigar-smoking yeah. uh-huh. individual. Gravelly voice, kind of hard. Gravelly yeah. voice, and he said, he pointed to my gym bag, and he said, what's that? I said, my gym bag? And he said, what do you got that for? I said, I'm going to play a game of handball. So that's all uh, he, uh, he said. And uh, I uh, bid him a goodbye, and I never knew why I uh, was received a call later on in the day offering me the job about three hours later. Uh, but uh, some years later, the New York Times did a, a story on me, yeah. and they called up Al Seedman. And they asked him why he voted for me on, to be the uh, Jewish chaplain. And he said, well, he said, we had some good candidates, and I wasn't sure whether Cass was the right guy for the job. But when I discovered that he played handball, I said, that's the kind of rabbi the New York City Police Department uh, needs. So I got this job, not because I'm so learned <laughs> or because I'm so capable or experienced, because I was a handball player. <laughs> Isn't that something? So. Maybe a cop's instinct because 54 years later. Could you have foreseen that? No. That long? When you took it, you were like, what? And now I've fallen in love with 50,000 of my colleagues in the NYPD. And I, uh, I, I love them. And uh, it's really been a, a marvelous experience. And the NYPD is the most amazing institution. It has people with every conceivable skill. You meet people of every background. Particularly in recent years, there's been this effort to try to achieve diversity. Mm. And uh, the most exciting thing about the NYPD is that it is democracy in miniature. Mm -hmm. In a sense, a police department is a militaristic organization because it has to have the uh, discipline Uh, in order to achieve its mission. But in reality, it's a very democratic organization because it represents every group within society. And uh, as a result, uh, you meet so many individuals. And uh, I've discovered that if you know only one religious tradition, you really don't know any. And uh, learning about people's background has uh, been so exciting for me. Rabbi, let me reset for our, our listeners on our podcast and our viewers on YouTube. Why don't you just quickly explain what you do as chief yeah, chaplain? As chief chaplain, I uh, have responsibilities to supervise uh, the chaplain's unit as a whole. How many are there? Uh, Twelve chaplains. Twelve chaplains, okay. Of various faiths? Of various faiths, yeah. We have a Roman Catholic. We have more Roman Catholic than any others because mm-hmm. that's the distribution yeah, of on the, the job. Right. But we also have Muslim. And we also have Protestant and Greek Orthodox. And there is a, a woman chaplain, and we have African-American chaplains. And what so, do you do? What does the job entail? The job entails counseling to officers who are in trouble responding to emergencies when a cop is uh, badly injured or killed in a line of duty. Uh, we have to respond on the spot, so it's really 24 hours a day. You can get a call at any time. And uh, we also teach at the police academy. And uh, I'll be teaching a class this uh, coming week 
for uh, volunteers who want to help officers who have had problems dealing with grief. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's uh, been a lot of suicides lately. Yes, I was going to ask you about it. Yeah, and uh, trying to help officers get through difficult moments in their life is but an important part of what we do. In your 54 years, have you seen uh, this kind, where there were so many, you know, in recent months, have you seen this kind of uh, clustering of them? No, no, I haven't. Uh, but there's always been, been suicide suicides, for, yeah. but nothing like this. Wow. And uh, one wonders why. And of course, it's uh, only speculation. But I suspect that the uh, pressures now are greater than ever before. You know that New York City is the virtual capital of the world, mm -hmm. and what goes on anywhere has repercussions uh, here in the city. And in a tense universe where uh, there is uh, so much conflict and uh, conflagration is about to go off at any moment, why uh, officers feel the, the strain of it all. There's also the fact that they have to respond to emergencies. and. Uh, they can't spend uh, happy times very often with their family because duty calls and uh, they have to uh, give up their own personal uh, wishes in order to, to do what has to be done. And but the challenges of life that all face, uh, yeah. marriage and financial burdens, so it all just kind of comes down on them is what we think. But uh, it's an amazing group of people. They are uh, just beautiful human beings and uh, they are capable and desirous, of, for the most part, of helping those in distress. And uh, it makes their role in society very, very special. Uh, the fact that uh, most people who confront danger run away from it, but police officers run towards danger. And uh, the fact that police officers uh, need to rely upon each other creates very close, intimate relationships. And you discover that you learn to evaluate people not on the basis of the color of their skin or uh, their uh, extraneous uh, uh, nationality or ethnic or religious background, but on qualities of uh, personality and character. And that's what all evaluations ought to be. Let me ask you about that, because you, you, you took the job in 1966. There had only been two prior Jewish chaplains in a department that is, was largely Irish Catholic and remain so for much of your tenure. You did allude to the fact that the efforts lately, we've had more diverse recruitment and graduating classes than we've had before. Is that the biggest change you've seen and one of the most significant ones you've seen? There, are, there have been a lot of changes in the police department. One of the most extraordinary changes has been, been the emphasis upon uh, ethics and uh, upon special education in order to uh, enable officers to, uh, to meet a lot of the contingencies of, of life. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, uh, concern for the intricacies of the human personality and how people react under difficult conditions. And uh, that is uh, particularly uh, recently uh, innovated. So, uh, a lot of that is, uh, is a product, I think, of uh, recent developments. The, the psychological dimensions of uh, policing mm. is very, very important. 
And uh, it's something that uh, is an important part of training now that wasn't at the beginning. Yeah, I was thinking that you were obviously on the department during Crown Heights in that difficult time between community and, uh, and police officers. Um, and we've seen recent ones like that, but how do you think it has evolved uh, from maybe those tense times uh, to today? The fact that uh, Crown Heights was a time of uh, great intergroup tension and the fact that there's uh, been a recent outbreak of uh, anti-Semitism uh, shows that uh, there's no final solution to the uh, difficulties of uh, living in a diverse community. But the, the big difference, it seems to me, is that the department uh, is certainly so anxious to resolve all of the uh, problems that are going on. You know, anti-Semitism uh, has been a disease that has plagued Jewish, Jews for thousands of years. And uh, people sometimes ask me, what's the difference now between what it was, uh, say, when Fiddler on the Roof uh, was uh, taking place in the uh, late 19th, early 20th century? And uh, you may remember from Fiddler on the Roof that somebody asks the rabbi, is there a blessing for the czar? And the rabbi says, yes. May God bless the czar and keep him as far away as possible from us. The uh, essence of anti-Semitism in the past is that the government, the authorities, uh, have been against the Jewish people and police officers have been the enemy. But today, police officers are our friends. And police officers are the friends of all the groups in the community. And uh, that's uh, an important lesson. Of course, uh, not everybody understands that. And uh, we've had our imperfections that we're constantly trying to improve. But uh, the, the fact that police officers are anxious to create close and intimate interactions with every group in the community shows the police to be the ally of uh, everything that our country stands for. Much like suicide, let me ask you about this recent cluster of anti-Semitic attacks in New York City. Have you ever seen it quite like this, and what do you make of it? I have not seen it uh, quite like this. And, uh, of course, there's always been anti-Semitism. Yes. And uh, it's contagious. I think that part of it is social media-oriented. Uh, there is so much uh, interaction now that people uh, can have with what's uh, going on all over the uh, country and the world, and you can always find people with the same twisted ideas that you have, and there's a, you can get reinforcement that can encourage that kind of malevolent and malign behavior, and that's a problem. There's also a great deal of uh, uh, antagonism because of uh, the uh, difficult uh, economic times that many people are encountering today. So uh, there's all of these contributing factors. But as I say, there is also uh, that which uh, goes in the other direction, which tries to uh, build up positive relationships. And uh, that, I think, is going to ultimately uh, enable us to, to conquer this. I, I think uh, hopefully we've seen the worst of it. And uh, I was deeply moved by a recent uh, demonstration yeah. at the city. 
uh, where there were people of every race, religion, color, and creed who turned out to uh, indicate that anti-Semitism was something that they were going to fight with with all of their energy and all of their strength and ability. And the fact that, that this is a universal sentiment uh, gives me a lot of hope about the future. So we've covered a lot of the heavy topics and you've been witness to so many pivotal moments in the city. But like most interviews, I have to ask you about the pastrami sandwich and the hostage situation. Yes. Uh, I was uh, called one day uh, by the uh, hostage unit uh, to go down to a, a midtown office building to uh, talk about uh, a individual who had held a woman hostage that had jilted this individual and uh, he was planning uh, to take her away somewhere. Anyway, in the course of conversation with the police officers, it became evident that this individual was Jewish and they thought that maybe I'd be able to um, achieve contact with him and uh, convince him to uh, stop what he's doing. So anyway, I, I went down there, I called, I spoke to him the whole night and I was an utter failure. I, I did, was unable to convince him to do anything, but by the time the morning had arrived, uh, he was hungry. And uh, uh, I, he said he wanted something to eat. So I uh, turned to the, a nearby police officer and said, can you get some food? And uh, they said, yes. So the police officers went out to get a sandwich for this gentleman and they went to the Carnegie Deli, which was uh, nearby, mm. but they figured that I had been working the whole night. I needed some nourishment too. So they got a, a second pastrami sandwich for me, except that the Carnegie Deli is kosher style, but it's not kosher, and I only eat kosher meat. So I had an extra pastrami sandwich. Anyway, we gave this fellow this pastrami sandwich. I told him he'd have to give up his gun in order to uh, get this sandwich. And the fellow gave up his gun. But as soon as he gave up his gun and we were ready to uh, seize him, he indicated he had a second gun. <laughs> wow. yeah. So we were back at ground zero. Anyway, the fellow eats this pastrami sandwich. If you've ever been to the Carnegie Deli, yes. Uh, well, not now, not anymore, of yeah, course. But, but yes, yeah, yeah. You know the size of the sandwiches; they're yeah. unbelievably right. huge. Absolutely. So anyway, this man downed this huge pastrami sandwich, but he was still hungry. I said to him, "Look," I said, uh, uh, "the police officer who went out and got you the food also got me a sandwich, but I can't eat it because it's not kosher." But if you want, I'll give the uh, sandwich to you, and, uh, uh, but you'll have to give up your second gun. He said, okay. So he gave up the uh, second gun, we gave him the sandwich, and then he was seized by the police officers, and that was the end of the uh, hostage incident. So you get this job because of your love of handball, <laughs> and you have a pivotal moment because of a pastrami sandwich. It's just quite a story arc. 54 years. You're not thinking of retiring and no one's asking you to, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. I, I enjoy what I do and as I say, I work with the nicest people in the world and I, I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction in helping people through the tough moments of life. And 
uh, that's really what this is uh, all about in, in the last analysis. And the city's appreciated you. Chief Chaplain of the NYPD, Rabbi Alvin Kass, thank you so much and congratulations. Oh. You're welcome. I'm your host, David Ushery. We want to thank our production team, Jesse Edwards and Ben Berkowitz of NBC New York Digital. We will check you next time on YouTube and on our podcast, wherever you find your podcast. I'm very impressed by all the research that you obviously did. Keep you this know, in. You knew a Keep lot this part in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, a lot of ground to cover. I had to do a lot of research. Well, thank you.